Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding. Thanks for spending a little bit of time here with me this morning. I apologize last weekend. The show, if you noticed, was a rerun. If you didn't notice, then I don't apologize. <laughs> but it uh, it was a rerun. I had just been called away for urgent surgery and couldn't record the show at the normal time. So my apologies, but that's kind of how it goes. Today, I'm actually sitting in the studio with my coat on because I'm still cold from walking in. And, of course, the forecast, and I'm recording Wednesday, the forecast is for some very, very bitter cold the weekend. And, yeah, it's times like these. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you might recall that I uh, spent the first 10 years of my career in uh, Hawaii after spending a year doing fellowships in Australia. So this time of year is when I really, I miss it, for sure. I uh, I have a friend named Kelly who is my niece, Rachel, who I've talked about before, who's a nurse, uh, who came out here to study and is now just in her first year of nursing. Her mom loves to send us beautiful pictures of the sun rising over the beach in the morning, and uh, at this point, it's just really irritating, and she knows she's irritating us, and she keeps doing it, so... I sent her some pictures of snow in return, but uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem to get back at her much. When I first... So the reason that I left Kauai... Kauai was just an amazing place. And we lived on the west side of the island, which is where... You know, it was was all local people and us. And when I say local... In Hawaii, local basically means born and raised there. And pretty much means Hawaiian, Filipino, Japanese, or some mix of the three. And... uh, so we lived out on the west side, and it was it was awesome. I mean, we were the culture there is just really cool. You know, for, for the first, they have first year baby parties that are giant. Like you'd have four or five hundred people there, and uh, you have hula, and you'd have a live band. You know, always outdoors and great weather, and uh, it was really wonderful. We we actually, my wife and I actually got married on Kauai after we'd lived there a couple of years, and that was pretty that was pretty amazing. But over the years, the hospital that I worked for, it was uh, essentially the same as one of the county hospitals here in Iowa. It was a 25 beds, critical access. So critical access is a uh, federal designation. It has to be a 25-bed hospital 30 miles away from another hospital, and so you get basically better pay from Medicare. Uh, St. Anthony's is not a critical access. St. Anthony's is a pretty big uh, 100-bed facility, I think somewhere around 100 beds. Anyway, so the hospital I was working for in Kauai, I was very busy by three or four years in. I was super busy. I was the first surgeon in the state doing computer-navigated knee replacements because I had learned that in my fellowship in Australia, and it was really a new thing here in America. hadn't been picked up as quick. The Aussies are sometimes quicker to pick things up. I mean, it had been picked up in some big universities, but anyway... Computer navigation was sort of the precursor to the robotic surgery. At that point, what you would do is you would, kind of like we do now, there was an infrared device, and you would point the device at the knee, and then you put these reflectors in the bones, and then you would map out the knee, and then you would put the standard cutting jigs onto the knee using the reflectors. And I actually, actually wrote a research project on that and got it uh, accepted and, and presented it 
in Heidelberg, Germany, uh, which is interesting, where, where we actually met up with some friends of ours that we had met in Australia who had come to our wedding in Kauai. It's, anyway, the world is sometimes small. Anyway, so my practice built very quickly. I mean, this was, this little hospital bought this $250,000 navigation machine back in, and this was 2004, so it was a lot of big output for that hospital. But by year two, I was doing 100 knees a year. And my practice really was getting big. But the other thing is they also had nine primary care docs affiliated with that hospital. And even though a couple of them were pediatricians, there was there was about seven full and part-time primary care doctors. And so I was cruising. I was doing great. doing hundreds of surgeries a year. And then there was a turnover at the CEO level. And then there was another turnover at the CEO level. And each time it turned over... Um, they seem to have gone more towards a political appointment of somebody like the last person that was there while I was there came from the department of education or transportation. I don't remember had almost no healthcare experience, but had executive experience. So this person did not believe that hiring more primary care doctors was worthwhile. He said, Oh, well, we can't afford that. You know? And I said, well, you realize that without a without a base of primary care docs to refer patients, that my my practice is basically going to just wither. And sure enough, over the over those several years, I did many many fewer, like a hundred fewer over two year time frame, hundred fewer surgeries. And there was talk about the hospital closing. There was talk about it becoming a long term care center. And I was just I had my two young girls. I was at the prime of my career. And so I was just wanting to get out of there. And anyway, the reason that I am reminded of this sometimes, so my wife, who moved out to, we met in New York City. She was uh, actually from New Jersey, and she was working in advertising on uh, Madison Avenue in New York. And then we moved to, from there, we moved to Sydney, Australia together, by the way. That's our daughter's names, Madison for Madison Avenue and Sydney for Sydney, Australia. So she moved to Australia with me, which was really cool because she kind of was taking a chance. We were not engaged until we got to Kauai, but uh, she left her advertising and she was very, she likes to downplay it, but she was very uh, well known in the, in the advertising world. She was, she was the uh, chief of print production for, USA Television, which at the time was the fourth largest uh, TV network back when TV networks were <laughs> were a lot more important than they are now. And she had done, you know, some big, big work. And so she was confident that she could take a year off. And if it didn't work out between us, she would have had a year in Australia and come back and she'd have her job back. And hey, you know, she was 28. Sounded good. So we went down to Australia together. Then I asked her to move to Kauai with and I think she knew we were going to get engaged when we got to Kauai, but I didn't ask her before I got there because I thought it would be cool to become engaged on Kauai. And, uh, and we did. And that was really, that in and of itself was a great fun because a friend of mine who, uh, lives on Kauai, who I knew from another friend of mine from high school who went to Palmer College of Chiropractic with him together. So my friend from <laughs> Tulsa that I grew up with, went to chiropractic school with this guy in Kauai. And so when I moved out to Kauai, 
my friend Brian hooked us up together so we could, you know, because we both like to surf and we both like to do stuff. So this guy, Ryan Smith, was his, or Sean Smith was his name, his brother's Ryan. He was uh, in charge of an 80-acre ranch on Kauai, and it had a waterfall and everything. So I took her down to this waterfall, and I borrowed his waterfall to become engaged. I think I've told that story before. It was pretty amazing. And he actually went upstream and dropped flowers over the waterfall for us and everything. So she came out there with me and for a year, and we lived in we lived in Australia for a year, and then we lived in Kauai for 10. And when it became apparent that uh, with our girls being four and six at the time, you know, and I was supposed to be entering my prime years of my career and my my numbers were going in the wrong direction and the possibility the hospital was going to close, all this stuff, I decided to look around. So we came back to the Midwest. So we actually went to Champaign-Urbana for a couple of years before moving to Iowa. And that was, you know, that's a whole story in and of itself. I just wasn't real happy with the practice there in Champaign-Urbana, and I did not like the state of Illinois as an entity. <laughs> so we were sitting in bed one day, and we had made uh, arrangements to go interview three places. One was in Champaign-Urbana, one was up in the Finger Lakes region of New York, and one was in the Hamptons, actually, out in Long Island, because a couple of my friends from residency were the only two orthopedic surgeons out at the Hamptons and they uh they were doing quite well so what reminded me of all this is we've planned out these three visits and it just so happened that we looked at the weather in Champaign-Urbana because that's where we were headed it was 20 below and it was 80 degrees in Kauai so it was 100 degrees colder (laughs) My wife looks at me, she's like, no, really? So that's what reminded me of that. But anyway, we ended up going to the Finger Lakes, and we pulled into this little town. It wasn't that small. It was, it was about the size of Carroll. It was about ten or 12,000, you know, right on the lake, really nice. And my wife was just like, nope, <laughs> we're not going there. She wasn't ready for a small town way away from anywhere in New York. And so then we went to the Hamptons, and it was just too many you know, we didn't want our kids going to school in a place where it was just so detached from the reality of the world that, you know, people literally had Bentleys and Rolls Royces and Lamborghinis and they're driving around town. And we stopped at the school where my my friend who's an orthopedic surgeon where his kids go and there was all these crazy cars in the parking lot. And it was just like, it was just, I don't know, it just wasn't us, even though it was right on the beach. It wasn't us. And so we ended up in Champaign-Urbana and then Des Moines. And uh, now I'm in Carroll practicing. So anyway, just a little flashback on that. This super cold week is making me long for the days of, of past. So computer-navigated surgery gave way to robotic surgery about, I think about eight years ago the the Mako robot started being the was basically the standard uh, for total knees. And then several years ago, it was able to do total hips. So the Mako is, of course, the robot that I have. It's, it's, it was purchased by Stryker, uh, which is the company that makes the joints that I use. And I've talked all about the Mako and everything. But, you know, I, I feel like 
I feel like I haven't really talked a lot about the knee itself. So this is what will happen. A big joint company buys a robot. That robot puts in their joints only. So then they sell the robot to somebody and then they feel like, okay, we're going to, you're going to put in our knees because you have this robot, right? And it makes sense. And like I said, I would, uh, I'd be happy to entertain the discussion with anybody uh, who wants to come into the show and talk to me about how their robot is as good as the Mako because it's just not. The Mako is so far ahead of everything else in every aspect of robotic orthopedic surgery that, I mean, there's just nothing that comes close on the market. And I've said a few times before that I was offered, uh, one of the joint companies said, we'll give you our robot for free. And I ended up asking the hospital to buy this $1.5 million Mako because guess what? It's that much better. And the results are that much better. But I haven't really talked as much about the knee. So I have talked a little bit about it. So I use, it's called the triathlon knee. And so it's made by Stryker is the company that makes it. And what makes it different? Well, first of all, one of the big things about it is that it's a press fit versus a cemented knee. So press fit means you so the total knee is metal on the end of the femur, metal on the end of the tibia, and plastic in between like a sandwich. And then, of course, there's a little button on the kneecap so that all you have is metal touching plastic. Well, the press fit makes it you don't need, you don't need the cement, and the cement is where the knee replacements tend to fail over time. The reason they fail is because the, the plastic in between wears out and it makes little tiny particles and there you need an electron microscope to see them. They're super small, and they get in between the cement and the bone. Well, that does not happen as easily when the bone is healing directly into the prosthesis itself. So this press fit, the bone grows into it, and the coating on the knee allows the bone to grow in, and it it can like hook around. Imagine a sponge and putting something into the sponge that would hook into the holes and that's how the bone grows into the metal so and it also reduces the amount of possibilities of things that can go wrong with the cement itself sometimes the cement hardens too quickly and there's so there's just all kinds of different things and that part of it also it has what's called a constant center of rotation and the constant center of rotation is a very different type of design. Most total knee designs have the inside of the knee and the outside of the knee are, I'm trying to just break this down to make it more simple, are more different in their circumference so that there's more sliding, okay? And so the constant center of rotation of the uh, triathlon knee from Stryker allows people to have a more realistic type of biomechanics, meaning the mechanics of the knee itself, uh, the way it's moving through space. It's, it's more natural. And the, the data on this knee is so good. It's, you know, 99.5% survival at five years. And I know five years isn't, you know, the longest time, but that's, it's incredible. Uh, there's other studies that show 100% at five years. So 
these cementless knees have not been out as long as the other ones, but uh, there's a, a 97% survivorship at, at 10 year. So these are these are numbers that are really, really good. And the design of it, the patients have the highest level of what's called forgotten knee, which means that they f- really feel like that knee moves so naturally that it doesn't feel like an artificial knee. And so I just wanted to sort of make the point, and I don't know that I've really made that point clear enough before, that the the, the striker triathlon knee was the highest selling knee in the world, and then they bought the Mako robot <laughs> and and added that to it, which has increased the performance. So, you know, it's really, I mean, I like to stack the deck in my favor. Surgery is hard enough and things go wrong and no matter what. So I like to stack the deck in my favor and use the knee that is, I think, the best design. And the fact that that came with the robot is just a, a package that's just, it really is uh, a blessing, especially at this point in my career, to be able to do this stuff and to have the access to to this level of uh, technology. And, and uh, yeah, every single time I look at a post-op x-ray, it looks great. Okay, that's a slight exaggeration. But I would say 95 to 98 out of 100 times, it looks like a textbook. And that is an improvement over how things were when I was using the standard jigs that are just metal jigs that we just attach and kind of eyeball and cut from there. It's just been a tremendous shift in not only post-op x-rays, but patient outcomes. And I've mentioned before, there's only been a couple patients in the whole, I've been here two and a half years, done hundreds and hundreds, I think somewhere under 400 knees. And uh, I've only had to take two of them back to the operating room to push on it, called a manipulation. And that was something I used to do pretty much every other week. About 5% of my patients would need that. So it's just been stellar. Um, But I did want to talk a little bit more about the knee itself. And because it's not just the robot. You're you're taking the best-selling knee on the market and you got the, without question best robot I mean not even close and putting them together in a package and so so that's what I'm pretty excited about and I think same thing Anthony's for uh, for picking those up for me <laughs> not for me for the patients but I, I asked and they did it and so I was, I was very happy okay well with that uh, stay warm and uh, you have a blessed week Iowa <laughs>